Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing. A critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, I'm Amanda, and with me today is my awesome, hilarious, wonderful, good-looking, talented, creative, and just stupendous co-host, Monica. Wow, Hi. did you write all that down? No, I thought I just like freeballed <laughs> that. That was amazing. Thanks. Thanks very much for all the praise. It was really, really... Good without stumbling. It looked a bit as if you were reading it, but I, I appreciate didn't. it. Yeah, I, you're great. You're great. Hi, I'm great. Yes. Yeah. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Thanks, Monica. <laughs> she had to think for a second, but then well, it came it was, out. It was not so much like a think. It was just like a an acknowledging that I I'm doing really great. It's cool. I'm excited. Yeah. How are you doing? It's a stressful week. I seem to be on top of it for now. I do fear what's coming, though. So that's more like the the, the fear of what's going to happen in this week situation. <laughs> because But it's... just think about it. Because if you get everything done this week, you have all of next week off. I know. But that's also big pressure, which I... If I'm very... It's, if it gets very tricky, that means I might. I'm not, I'm not jinxing it right now. But it could potentially mean that I need to stay up for quite a long time at one of the few days that are still left. So we will see how that goes. So far, I'm this. yeah, I'm mostly on top of it right now. So I have nothing where I'm... I, some, I do need the pressure. I'm a pressure worker. <laughs> I me need too. deadlines and having someone behind me hitting me with a stick. That's when I get shit done. So that's what's happening this week. Again, I feel I you. Clients give me work and they're like, this is due on October 20th. I'm like, great. You gave it to me on the 26th of August. No problem. Totally have that done. Like finish it on the o October 9th. Yeah. Same. Like, yeah. Totally going to get this done early. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. That's the worst for me, to be honest. If I know that there is stuff that I need to do, but there is no pressure, I probably, even though I would have time, I'm not getting it done. It's weird. <laughs> It's very stupid. It's that like pressure uh, deadline life. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I was always like this. But my mom was also like this. So mm. we just noticed the difference very hard in the family because my sister-in-law and her family is super organized with inviting people to their birthday a year in advance or something. And my mom just sent it out like a week before. <laughs> so if even. So that's yeah. just... I have a friend that's like that is all planning for a year or more in advance. I mean, it must be a really great life like this, but I just don't know why. I, I think don't... it would be stressful, like planning that far ahead. Like, what happens? Like, shit happens. And spont what? What about spontaneity and fun and deciding last minute to do shit? Yeah, but there is. That's. I don't think that the first one actually 
means that the other one cannot happen. So I don't think if you're organized, you cannot be spontaneous. I think if you would be more organized or I would be more organized in my life, I would have more room to be spontaneous because now it's sometimes like so much hitting me at the same time and mm -hmm. I'm then drowning in all the shit that's going on. Whereas if I would have organized, I could have had less stress and it would be... Yeah, I don't know. More room to do spontaneous things. That's a cool way of thinking about it. But it still doesn't help me anyway, so I'm just <laughs> I'm just doing shit like the last minute ever. The, I did it the last 34 years. I don't think I will not do it the next 34 years. So let's just acknowledge that that's how it goes. Fair enough. I cool. acknowledge. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Geeky wise, because that's something I want to know. We started. I've been uh, reading a lot. You look um, so surprised. Yeah, I was trying to think. I'm like, I haven't really done much like gaming other than some Warcraft. Um, and I talk about that quite often, so I don't think I need to be like, oh, I played a lot of Warcraft again. <laughs> so the other things that I've done is I've been reading a lot. I've been reading some books that are going to be going up as reviews on Geek Herring. Nice. Um, one book in particular, it was an advanced reader copy and it was really, really good. So I'm excited for that one to be released. And then I found this cool book called Thornhill in a charity shop the other day. And it was like half graphic novel and half diary entry taking place. Like the diary entry was taking place in the eighties. And then the, it wasn't even a graphic novel. It was just like a, a picture book kind of like there was no words at all taking place in modern day um and it was like a story being told it was it was it sounds it was it, i was intrigued flipping through it and i read it in a night and it was really cool that sounds interesting i mean i don't think i can imagine what it's actually like but you can put it in the show notes so everybody can see what you're even talking about i will and i i think i'm gonna write a, a review on that as well because it was it was a short read i read it in a sitting even though it was like 500 pages long but because of the style yeah. I was able to read it, like, sit down, read it, done. Um, it just brought up a lot of emotions for me, so I, I'm definitely going to write about that. And last night I started to read Cassandra Clare's Mortal Instruments series, which I had friends absolutely obsessed with back, like, when it first came out in 2004 or five or whenever it was, and I never read it. I just couldn't devote myself to another series like that. Um, but I found it in a charity shop yesterday, or on Saturday, or the other day. I don't know when it was the other day. And I picked it up and I was like, it's the first book in the series. You never really see this one hanging out in charity shops. So I picked it up and went to bed last night and read half of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. So yeah, it's definitely, it's caught me the way that like, the way that the first Twilight book caught me. Like it was an easy read. It was kind of cheesy. There wasn't an awful lot to it. And it left me intrigued and wanting more. Uh -huh. Um I only say the first Twilight book because the rest of them were very disappointing. I read the whole series. Um, and I'm hoping that too. the Mortal Instruments isn't going to be like that. But it's just that, like, lighthearted series, like, fiction crack, basically. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Not sure. <laughs> I just nod to what you just said. <laughs> like, okay, so you have your books, like, the Robin Hobb series that are amazing. And... They, they grip you and you really want to read them, but they're kind of intense. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is like, it's lighthearted. It's just enjoyable to read without giving you too much 
to consider and think about yeah no intense emotions just like it's kind of it's just an eat chilled out kind of enjoyable but not obsessive read Uh is what i was getting from it I hear you. It's interesting. I mean, maybe you say come that. like book two or three, I'll be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is the best book ever. Everybody needs to read this." I don't know, but like, I'm halfway through the first one, and I am enjoying it. But it's not. Sometimes you can just be happy when a book just gives you good entertainment. Because mm-hmm. I have read books where I'm like, "Why did I even waste my time with that?" But I started to read it, and I'm like, "I'm finishing it." Because I started it now. And then in the end, I was like, well, this was a waste of time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I hear when you at least... And sometimes you don't want to have something that makes you all... Like, that gives you a lot of emotion, just makes you... Like with TV series, you know? Sometimes you just want to see something that's not making your brain work too hard, but still gives you a great time. Mm -hmm. And so I get you on that. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. What about you? So I have been starting out the puzzle that i ordered Mm -hmm. um it's bigger than i thought yes it's bigger than i thought um it's um german landscape basically looks like the netherlands (laughs) (laughs) so it looks nice a lot of grass in it a lot of sky that's pink so a lot of same kind of puzzle pieces but I'm getting there, I'm getting there. And I continue to read a bit in his dark materials. Which is interesting that you say that. Said that just before. Because that one gives me a very dark feeling while I'm reading it. It's really weird. Started out in the first book. It's not something, even though it's about kids and everything. But it's not something where you feel like this is a light book. It's it's mm-hmm. giving you the creeps just reading it. Which is very intense actually. Yeah, but I remember it, reading that. It was back in 2007, I think. I think I was traveling at the time. And, like, it was intense. It was oh, yeah. good, but I was like, this is a heavy read. Right, which is, like, the breathing. I, I caught myself being all, yeah, tense and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, at the beginning, the main character really pissed me off. <laughs> but then we had that in the Robin Hood book as well, where one mm. pissed me off so hard. And... While I don't appreciate all of her characteristics, um, it's still a really good book. Uh, or yeah. I mean, the second one now, so um, I don't even know what it's called, but it's a good book. Um, the Subtle Night. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> well, cool. cool. So I like that we've both been kind of getting our reading on lately. That's yeah. really good. I have ups and downs ever since after university. I stopped reading for pleasure. <laughs> So during and after, so I got back into that and make yeah, reading great trying, again. Make reading great again. I am trying very actively to read more and yeah. read more of things that I enjoy. And I, 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 I enjoy fiction, and I, I can't just make myself read nonfiction all the time. The occasional book is fine. Yeah, but like everybody, I well not everybody, but I hear a lot of people in like the online business realm or like when you own your own business, they're like, you need, you shouldn't read fiction. You should only read like nonfiction because why would you waste time reading? when you could be learning i'm like yeah but yeah whatever. fuck you yeah <laughs> right <laughs> what you just said yeah I'm, I'm so i'm so done with that like you need to read business all the time i'm like no no because that's boring i don't want to read business all the time and i feel it's sad because you lose something it's same with during university right you think you have to read so many other stuff and you can't read for pleasure anymore but then you lose so much enjoyment and so mm-hmm. many stories and it's just 
sad. Why should why should you? Why? So Exactly. Fuck you, yes, you got it right. Yeah. I've got it and hit hit it right there on the head. Exactly. Yeah. Well cool. Um so today we are talking about Geek Girl in the News. Woo Woo My favorite subject. I'm glad that you embraced it so much now. <laughs> I've always embraced it. I, I just, know, you were a bit... It, it just disheartened me because other people aren't as into this episode as I am. But I think it's awesome. And my awesomeness is just going to shine through in how awesome the episode is. Exactly. As yeah. you said. 100% agree. Yeah. Cool. Do you know that... Sorry, random tangent. Um, My mom, I said like 100% when she was over. As in like I really agreed with something or I was 100% positive. And she made fun of me for the rest of the time that she was she was here because she was like, why can't you just say you're positive? And I was like, because I'm 100% positive, mom. Like, I'm not 99% positive. I'm 100% positive. And she gave me a really hard time. <laughs> and what? now she's all like, oh, 100%. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Sorry, just tangents. Well, it's know. like when you make some things are more than the most. <laughs> You know? So, that's... I feel you on that. Cool. So, our first news article, hard turn there, is called The Scully Effect and the Feminist Future of STEM. Ooh, STEM. We've heard it a few times uh, already. Yeah. Science, technology, and math. You said that great. Just pop it in there again. Pop it in there. Because I couldn't think of it anymore, what it meant to be very honest with you. I kind of got that that impression. Like, (laughs) Saw my big question mark on my face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this article is talking about the fourth annual AT&T Shape Conference that happened in June at Warner Brothers Studios. So it was focusing on 5G and the future of entertainment, which is pretty cool. 5G, yay! Speedy hand mobile phones. Woo! And basically, it's a very long article, but it's about role models on TV that influence women to go into STEM. Which is amazing. yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a little bit more to the article, and that's why we're linking it in the show notes. But, um, but yeah, basically, they're talking about the cool women that influence. So the panel had people like Gina Davis, who is an actor and activist, and Mayim Bialik from The Big Bang Theory. I never and know then how to astrophysicist Erin McDonald. And it's about, like, women in STEM, women in uh, STEM careers on TV, and how to make the future more female. That Gina Davis created an institute on gender in media. I find that amazing. Mm-hmm. And she did identify the Scully effect. That's something you must be super delighted about. Yep. Yeah. Um, Dana Scully from the X-Files is pretty much the quintessential 90s female scientist role model. And she's awesome. And Gillian Anderson is also awesome like it's not it's not just limited to scully it's also the actress who played her and i can say without a doubt in my mind that scully influenced my best friend steph to go into astrophysics to go into uh, science and because x-files was steph's favorite show still is probably her favorite show and like she had action figures and stuff and like posters of the x-files and she loves scully and like she basically is Scully now because Scully was a scientist who studied the aliens, more or less. I mean, they're well, I mean, she was a. Uh, but anyways, yeah. But so she I can was see in this science. Firsthand. Yeah, like firsthand, I can see this for sure. Was that 
I'm wondering if there was any other representation of women in science before Scully on television. I mean, I can't think of something, but I reckon probably more in, in smaller roles, but nothing, nothing really in uh, a big role like this. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Not before that any. No, not that I can think off the top of my head. I'm There might be, but there's definitely. Scully started Strong Stem Big hype. So who inspires you, Monica, in like STEM media? I didn't watch The X-Files. I find it great that me and Bialik, well, you know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's problematic to say. Um, I really appreciate it, actually, that she uh, went from being a television series child star, child actor, to then going into science and then going back to acting. That was just, it's just, I just find these paths always very interesting. Um, because you would think that, yeah, most of the time they don't have it figured out and then they, um, just keep acting, but apparently a passion was big enough for her to go into something like neuroscience. So I think that's just in general really interesting for me. And then that she also played a neuroscientist Big Bang, which, so I don't think I was influenced during my childhood by some women in STEM way, because to be fair... My parents weren't scientists at all, <laughs> so we weren't in a in a. So that was no one I knew, um, and I didn't watch X Files. Actually, when I think about it, I wasn't really anything that I would relate to in science when I was a kid. Interesting. Um, so yeah, but now I can appreciate how um, Amy Farrah Fowler did it. <laughs> Let's just call yeah. it that. Well, for sure. Like, when I was a kid or a teenager, I was really interested in math and engineering. Mm-hmm. And But I attribute that more to my dad because that's basically the industry that he was in, structural engineering. Um, and I was I was dead set on becoming a structural engineer until dad was like, Amanda, you would be bored. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. And so I didn't pursue it. Whether I, I mean, whether I should have or not is a moot point, really. But I do find myself being more interested in STEM subjects now in my 30s. I'm like, I wish I knew more about this. I kind of wish that I had studied this, kind of, uh, or was somehow in this industry, um, as opposed to just fangirling from the outside of all these strong women in STEM subjects. Yeah, I mean, I was great in maths, right? And then I decided I'd go study, be a teacher in maths and English. But that only lasted for three weeks. <laughs> because, yeah, maths on, math in university is just nowhere. Like, literally nowhere near anything you do in school. So I was just sitting there having zero clue what the guy said. Zero clue. Like, I even had, I had minus clue at that point. Um... And I had even I didn't even know what to talk about, and mm. that was and I mean with eighteen it took me a while. I was late with everything, and I had to, oh, I had to uh, take the public transport to go to Graz because I didn't live there. So that was all something that I couldn't quite handle at that age. Mm. Um, and then I, all the all the lessons were really stretched out. So I was staying in Graz at uni for the entire day without anywhere to go. So that was just not an ideal setup and initially I always wanted to do the graphic design situation so that was something I was always really passionate about but I thought I'm going to be a math and English teacher and then when I had the option to switch schools still even though I was a month late um, then I did that but 
yeah, girls were a rare breed back then. That's so long, so long. <laughs> um, and yeah, you would have. I think I would have been able to make really good money with it because, especially when you study math, it's just there are so because so many drop out there. It's such a tough subject. So many drop out, and that's why they take you on really early mm. for whatever job because it's really tough but that was mainly because i was good at math and my maths teacher was cool she wasn't the smartest candle on the tree i guess so like not the not the best math teacher in school but i really liked her a lot and and that was mainly yeah, yeah. but but i hear what you say it's there is so much more that you don't know exists when you're a teenager. Mm -hmm. So STEM is so much more than just math. And it's just more than just engineering. So there are so many different fields that would be interesting um, that you as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old have seriously no clue about. So that's mm -hmm. really sad. And I find it great that there are on the one hand more shows like this. And on the other hand, people like apparently Gina Davis who create institutes who help... Um, girls focus on the gender perspective as well and all of that stuff because we can do it too um some of my favorites right now that are on the tv and movie screens uh so Pel penelope garcia from criminal minds because she is just like that techie badass who's who knows everything um Gemma Gemma simmons from agents of shield she's the res one of the resident scientists she's just amazing um like super smart in every aspect of her entire life um i'm like hashtag goals can i go back in life and just become Gemma simmons <laughs> um and then bones basically um dr brennan from bones she's an anthropologist she's a scientist she's a pathologist she's just so analytical and i i, I like her because she shows that you don't have to have a an, like a huge range of emotions like and you can be very analytical and it's cool. Like it's it's just embracing a different personality type, I think. And that's why I like her so much. Yeah. And I also like that Shuri from Black Panther is pretty much the smartest woman, smartest person in the entire like Marvel universe. <laughs> that I really loved because she's awesome. But mm -hmm. somehow in my head, I don't, don't put her and STEM together, which I don't even know why I don't do that. But I don't know why, because like she is STEM. She is like the epitome yeah, of a STEM it's woman. It's true. Yeah. Also because we not called it that. So that's, that's why it's, it took me the last few episodes to figure out what STEM even means. So that's why for me it's, well, it never also then never came up for me in my brain when I watched anything where I was thinking, ooh, that's a woman in STEM and that's someone in STEM. So, but yeah, Shuri. Yeah. Shuri is awesome. I really like yeah. Shuri. And this representation on TV is not only is it good because obviously representation matters, but it helps girls with what we were saying way back when we were first starting geek caring, like see her and be her. Um, it's just all these women are, are doing really good things. I think we underestimate the power of that and which is a bummer to be honest, but it's so important. That's why I think we need more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, and our next article comes from Jonathan Bloom, or Frasley, and it's how a summer camp is bringing young women to the games industry. Which is super amazing, because we want everyone to work in the games industry. Well, I mean, not everyone. We yeah. need people in a variety of careers, yeah. because if everybody was just in games, then... Well, I can mean, you think of really something cool, negative but... right now? Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't think of anything negative, but I'm also like, 
But what about like people that are in media and TV and science and teaching people yeah. and making food? Food's important. Yes, okay, you you persuaded me right there. I hear you. Food is important. <laughs> We need at least game developers and cooks. <laughs> yeah. Or at least farmers. Yeah, farmers. Or backyard farmers. Yeah, I mean, like the game salsa. developers can also garden in their backyard. Anyways, <laughs> so this is a summer camp uh, in 10 different areas. This is a summer camp in 10 different areas across the United States where girls get together and are taught how to code and, and develop games. And, and it's pretty great. They also did that and they started with this initiative and with these summer camps already in 2014. And more than 6,000 girls have already attended these Girls Make Games camps, which is amazing. It's incredible, actually. It reminds me of an initiative that a local game developer here in Northern Ireland has started. Um, yeah, a local female game developer here in Northern Ireland um, is on the panel the director's panel creating for uh, an initiative very similar called Girls Game Lab, which brings, it does workshops uh, across Northern Ireland and England and Scotland, probably Wales as well, eventually, um, to basically learn to code and learn to game. Uh, it's not a camp as such, but it's something pretty cool anyways. At least an initiative to bring more girls into gaming. Yeah. So these groups that these camps that we've been mentioning now for that are um, taking place in the U.S. Um, they are girls only, so there are no boys. No boys are attending there. And just to quote the article a bit, the youngest girl of the team mentioned that it's even more fun that there are no boys um, because on the one hand, boys are annoying. <laughs> so I find mm -hmm. that hilarious, but. An older girl then mentions they're always doing the Fortnite dance and when boys are around, they try to take over and push the girls out. So, which is pretty sad that this is happening, but I think in a special age range, it's also particularly difficult to get boys and girls together in a room. So I mm -hmm. think it's great that they... And it's hard because they do have different interests because they've been socialized like that. So... That's what makes it, I guess, more difficult in a group setting and in workshop settings to address all of the interests in the room. And if they have just a group of girls doing it all together, um, I think that's great. Especially yeah. if they then get the opportunity to actually do stuff and build stuff and get acknowledged in the right way. And I think that's important because we've never actually been acknowledged in these fields before, really. And like we've talked about before, we need to encourage girls, especially girls that are interested in video games, to start studying. Um, the One of the directors of the games, gaming summer camps says that uh, there's a common pattern among girls who love video games. An eight-year-old girl says playing and making video games is her favorite thing in the world, but if you catch her five or six years later, she doesn't think of it as a career path anymore. So, like, taking hold of kids that show an interest in this like at that age and nurturing it and developing it and like showing them that this is a path for for women to go into it's so important and that's why initiatives like these summer camp and uh the the girls game lab and even organizations like code.org um are so good for just nurturing that interest um and built by for, girls for, yeah, yeah yeah so 
we need more of this and I think that it's fantastic. So congratulations to Girls Make Games. We're soon 100%. <laughs> so next up, we're going to leave women in tech and head over to the gaming world really quick and talk about Twitch. <laughs> we talk about Twitch on a regular basis here, but um, yeah, it's always an interesting conversation. And I, from one article to the next, I am constantly thinking... I don't want to be in a position to moderate something like this. But anyway, this specific article is talking about the fact that a Twitch streamer started to breastfeed her baby during stream last night. And clips of the moment then have been removed from Twitch, which obviously sparked a debate whether or not this even violates Twitch terms and services or not. Whereas some people mentioned that breastfeeding constitutes... Constitutes sexual content yeah that doesn't make sense (laughs) they mention it's particularly problematic because um if you're a pro streamer then obviously what you need to do is be on stream and stream right because that's how you make money so you don't get the proper compensation you can't go on maternity leave from streaming really so that's what makes it more difficult for i would say especially girls women streamers um Mm -hmm. because most of the time there is at least a certain amount of care that the baby needs that only the mom can give the kid and a certain uh, time in their lives, especially breastfeeding, right? Basically, what they need to do then is save their money and then try to get through that time, and especially when they're in the US, which I would assume is very tricky in general with maternity leaves, not like here in Europe or especially in Austria where you can go on maternity leave for two years and stay at home oh, with your kids. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that the UK was good and it's like nine months to a year. So I was just like, whoa, two years, that's really good. Oh yeah, it depends on how much money you want to earn. So you get, now I think they switched the system up where you can get, where you get basically a big pot of money and then they you can decide how long you stay at home. But previously it were, they had a few models where it was one year and then it was i don't know 24 months and 36 months or something something so it decide you had to decide between those but now they give you a pot and then you decide how you want to do this okay but yeah that's not something that's happening in the u.s (laughs) um random 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 facts anecdote (laughs) i was sourcing jobs for a while for a client um and started to write Um, emails for certain job uh, descriptions and then i got um, out of the office notices back from the u.s people who mentioned that they are on a maternity leave right now (laughs) which (laughs) i found really hilarious because that would not happen here (laughs) so people are like oh it's like three weeks yeah okay (laughs) they'll be back yeah but yeah i think there are a few few important things touched on by that article because on the one hand breastfeeding is sexual cheese okay so people eat on stream all the time right um i was just flicking through streams the other day and there was literally a, a a girl i don't know who it was but they had like a fair amount of followers uh so a female streamer and she was just sitting there chatting and eating a burger like a fast food burger wrapper and all it was delightful and while i was on the stream somebody gifted or somebody did twenty thousand bits 
just because she was sitting there eating a burger. And like, I don't know what a bit equates to. I'm, I'm not all up on the, on the Twitch lingo or anything or how it exactly works. But she's, <clears throat> she essentially got paid to eat on stream. Okay. And if you're a mom and you're breastfeeding, because obviously breastfeeding doesn't work for everyone or it's not the right choice for everyone. So, but if you are a breastfeeding mom and your baby needs food and you're streaming, why the hell shouldn't you breastfeed your child on screen? Like, it's not like it's the titty show. It's the, my child needs food. Also, if you ever actually seen a woman breastfeed in front of you, you basically don't see shit anyway. You don't no. see anything. And no. it's ridiculous. Like, breastfeeding is legal across the United States. It's legal in most of Europe, as far as I know. It's legal in Canada. Like, it's not something that, or like breastfeeding in public. Sorry. Yeah. Bre- breastfeeding's illegal. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you what? You can't your baby? Breastfeeding is illegal. No, we no, heard no. that on um, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> breastfeeding in public is legal, like in most of the world. Not not the entire world because the world is fucked up in places, right? But feeding your child in public with your boob is legal in most of the world. And it's also allowed on the likes of Instagram uh like breastfeeding pictures and normalizing breastfeeding and and all that like pictures of that is normal or is is allowed not against the terms and services conditions whatever totally fine um nipples nipples are bad breastfeeding's fine though um female nipples are bad female nipples yeah because male Um, nipples are no problem yeah apparently so basically what i'm saying is it should be fine on on a twitch stream you know I totally think that this is not sexual content. And I think we're in an age and in a time where if you don't want to see something, you click away. So if you Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable with someone breastfeeding on stream, then click away. But I feel the ban issue is just because it's not sexual content. It's the course of nature and people and babies need their food and they need their food now. And they don't need their food in five hours when you're done streaming, but they need their food now. And exactly. if you don't want to do this and if you don't want to watch it, then go somewhere else in the Just time. turn it off. Yeah, turn it off. Yeah. But deleting that specific scene, I, I don't, yeah, don't agree with it. I'm fine. My opinion is, whatever. If you are streaming and you're a breastfeeding mom and your baby needs food, like, just, just do it. The same people, well see boobs in a sexual content, are happy to see boobs everywhere else and claim mm-hmm. that's not sexual. Or that's no problem that there are boobs flying around in game by hardly dressed thing. That's just something I like to see, but it's not sexual at all. And it's not sexualizing women. But when someone... You know why I think it is a problem for those people? Is because it's not... It's it's the boob being used for like what it's meant to be used for. It's not turning them on and it's not sexualizing it. I think it's like the opposite of a sexualized boob. And that's why they have such a problem with it. Like, oh, it's sexual content. Uh, fuck off. Probably. <laughs> so they use the argument that is usually used against whatever they enjoy. Um, against something that's 100% natural. Probably. And I think another thing that article brings up. That there needs to be something in place for professional streamers. Like healthcare wise and all that stuff. But that's mm. in a whole other topic for the US entirely. But... Yeah difficult i guess so yeah that's it it's a pretty interesting article that we're linking in the show notes for you to check out um but yeah my opinion is if your kid's hungry breastfeed 
whether on stream or off stream. It doesn't need to be. You don't need to only breastfeed on stream. Yeah. I was just seeing a picture here of that stream breastfeeding situation. You can't see anything. All you see is the baby on the boob and you don't even see the boob because she's having one of those one of those clothes where you can basically flip up the boob and just pop the yeah. baby on. So yeah. she's not pop even getting <laughs> fully undressed. Oh, she's also an ASMR person. But whatever. So what's your opinion on breastfeeding on stream? We would love to. So let us know in uh, the comments on any social media or on the blog post. Next up, we have the new superstars of Chinese Hearthstone coming at you from our favorite hearthstone enthusiast tom knight thanks tom yeah i don't know shit about hearthstone so you have to explain me what's going okay uh so basically history was made the first week of august when a 23 year old chinese woman qualified for the hearthstone global finals for the global finals yeah nice so yeah it's pretty pretty awesome um it's proving that girls can be strong professional players just like the guys there aren't too many like women in hearthstone playing at a professional level of course there's um there's patra and there's there was one other woman um that i can think of off the top of my head but i can't remember her name who was competing at the at a high level of hearthstone as well an international competition um but the global finals is pretty big it's coming from especially like this this woman uh who who, who goes by the name vklion lion like um uh, comes from a small town in the northwest of china so she hasn't come from like tokyo or that's japan she hasn't come from <laughs> <laughs> beijing yeah she hasn't come from beijing like she she didn't grow up in in a in a huge city uh she did grow up just in like a, a small town so her competing at the masters tour level and qualifying for the globals is actually a pretty big deal um because it's showing that there's opportunities out there for female streamers uh another opinion is coming in from a 27 year old hearthstone player and she says that when it comes to women getting involved in esports forget your gender and do it and i really love that I love <laughs> like that. i really love that it's so good and it's so true. And like our episode with this, you know, women are coming into esports. And it's just because gaming wasn't really something that women did, that girls did uh, as children. Like, it, well, I mean, they did. Obviously, we did because we're here. Um, but we, it was more marketed toward little boys. Yeah. And so that's obviously why now the esports is such a thing. Like, it's mostly boys and men. And... Women are coming. We were just a bit late to the game. They didn't let us on the table, but now we're coming to the table. I think it's similar to what you said with Sim, right? It wasn't promoted to something that we would want to do. Or what you mm -hmm. said with the game developers, it wasn't something... They were super passionate about it, but suddenly it wasn't even a valid career path. So now that more girls show up on screen, show up in these tournaments and, and get more and more visible... The haters can keep on hating and keep on potating, but at some point we will we will make that as well. There is no real scientific reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. It's not because our fingers are smaller or bigger or your, the men's fingers are smaller or bigger to move the controller or the keyboard. So that's basically... And it's not proven that reaction is somehow men react faster than women. So basically we have the same... 
abilities and skills as a human yeah. being. Yeah. So, so excited to see more of uh, VKL on the stage and following her career. Also, I find it pretty hilarious that her boyfriend is also a professional um, art Chinese player. So geek couples are best couples. Can confirm. <laughs> cool. Let's cool. hop over to the next article. Mm -hmm. So this article was talked about in quite a few places I've seen um, online. But it was submitted to us by one of our very loyal listeners, Manu. Thank you so much. Manu. Thank you so much. Did I do it right? You were on the U, I would say Manu, but whatever. Oh, not Manu. Manu. But I like it sounds Manu. cute when you say Manu. <laughs> well, I think it sounds cute when you say Manu. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's over. I think I sound right ridiculous now. saying like that. <laughs> whatever. Both ways, I hope you appreciate. <laughs> yes. We love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So she has submitted these articles to us about ads, TV ads being banned in the United Kingdom for uh, contravening gender stereotyping rules, So, which I think is fantastic. I watched both ads, and I think that they were right to ban them because they are doing absolutely nothing to talk about gender equality. And To be great. honest, I watched, uh, watched mainly the, double, the VW ad. I kind of got that past the watchdog, the mm. Philadelphia ad. Yeah. Okay, well, the Philadelphia ad is basically two dads meeting up for brunch or, or something. Brunch or lunch or probably something. Brunch. And probably brunch. And they put their babies down while they're, like, totally invested in this Philadelphia cream cheese. And they're, like, it, it pans to them and they're just so enthralled with the cream cheese that they don't notice that they're, they put the baby down on, like, a conveyor belt and the baby was leaving their presence. And then they, like see oh shit the baby's like really far away and so like yes okay on the surface it's quite a cute and funny ad but when you think about it it's just perpetuating the stereotype that men are shit dads yeah and that they don't care and it's that infuriated me because it's such a thing these days about you know men can't do something because they're babysitting their kid and it's like yeah. no it's your it's your child you're you're just its parent right yeah. like you're not babysitting it and like okay i don't have kids but it still it still really bothers me that there is this thing that men don't have the ability to be a good parent in the public view you mean. yeah like and obviously that sorry like yes men are good parents yeah um, or i should say men can be good parents yeah men can be good because there parents. are there are shit parents out there and that's both men and women that's yeah. moms and dads yeah. like there there are shit parents out there so aside from that <laughs> you know like um just this perpetuating the the viewpoint that actually men are all shit and that men are really bad parents like it just pisses me off it's really annoying i find it really annoying that um first of all i appreciated that they took the ad down for gender something that's gender stereotypical for men because often um you see it as well like yeah the the women are always um they're always complaining and blah, blah, blah. I appreciate that they took the ad down for perpetuating a male stereotype. Because often it's always the fight against the female stereotype that seems to get so much attention. But in that case, it's not about... There was no mother in this app and there were no women in, in, in the ad. So it was really just about that shit because that's not how men are. 
So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, whereas in the VW ad, it was a mixture of, well, you saw the e-golf driving around and you saw clips from a man who was getting it all and he had a um, uh, prosthetic on his leg and he was uh, high jumping or far jumping or whatever you say. And the woman was sitting there working in the kitchen, doing kitcheny stuff and also... Um, taking care of the kid and yeah it was really just the men are those who go out and get stuff done and the women are the ones who stay at home and nurture and whatever and read on the bench with the baby and the pram and stuff yeah when i when i saw this ad i was like okay there there's two there's two male astronauts in like up in space being all stem creative there's a male para- paralympian or male athlete with a prosthetic leg like running around a track um rock climbers uh which according to the article there was both a male and a female sleeping in a tent on on a cliff face but i only noticed the man that i didn't actually notice a a woman and then the golf drives past and there is just a woman passively sitting on a bench with a baby and i was like are you are you fucking kidding me like you show these men in all these amazing and adventurous and engaged and stem activities like being awesome and then the only way that you depict a woman is as a mother sitting there passively watching life go by. Like, fuck you, Volkswagen. I was, it, this ad pissed me off to no end. And like, yeah. oh. I didn't even get, I didn't even get the message of that, what, what, what that has to do anything with an e-car. And I totally get usually how they, how they create car ads right so it's mostly about the feeling they portray and 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 you see a lot of landscape and you see a lot of whatever is going on but i don't see anything that ad that basically tells me an e-car is an awesome car it has nothing to do with whatever you see in the ad you don't even see yeah i don't know it's weird you don't see a lot of it doesn't give you if it portrays an emotion then it's not a great emotion for any female and no i am pretty sure and let me just um, recreate the stereotype that probably a lot of women would really like to have an electric car like i guess Mm -hmm. that these are probably the people that women are probably more likely to to buy an e-car than men would maybe if we think in the stereotypical kind of way that men like fast rides and loud rides and all that shit then i guess that's likely something where females are more inclined to switch to e-cars but that's just a theory that i'm putting out there (laughs) interested to hear opinions on that yeah i i do think that the the scene at the end of this ad with the woman sitting with her baby and then the the volkswagen e-car coming past was to show how silent it was that it didn't wake up the baby i'm like okay i can see that but why could it have been a man sitting with his baby? A and family sitting with his baby? And why couldn't she drive with a car and the baby sleep super be- super smooth in the back seat because it's so quiet? Yeah, and why couldn't she have been in space with the other astronauts? Why was like it just pissed me off. It it just there was so much wrong with this ad that I'm yeah. I'm really proud that the UK's watchdog took a stance on this and banned both of these ads because they're both just perpetuating these stupid stereotypes that are just so completely untrue same as my argument yeah but now now that we've gotten that <sighs> shitty disappointing stuff over with we get to talk about some really cool pop culture coming up which the first article is something that you are more excited about 
I am really excited about this. So, Monica broke my heart because I'm she sorry. doesn't know who Nancy Drew is. I mean, I heard the name, but I, I would have had no idea where to put it. Like, I, if you... Isn't there a song or some saying with Nancy Drew? I don't even know. I think it's from a song or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So Nancy Drew came out like, what, 90 years ago? Like it was out when my mom was a kid, right? Just this female detective. She came, She was a response to the Hardy Boys, which were a, a pair of brothers, and they were detectives. So in like the 40s and 50s, Nancy Drew was brought out to appeal to the female audience, to the little girls. And I think that that's awesome that they were doing that like back, way back then, trying to balance out the genders. And basically, it's a detective. It's a blonde detective um, who's a teenager, and she goes around solving all these mysteries. And she's awesome. And I was obsessed with Nancy Drew when I was a kid. Like, obsessed. In grade six, we had to send a letter to one of our idols, um, and I wrote to the author of Nancy Drew, Carolyn Keene, because I was like, your books are amazing. I want to be a detective when I'm older. And you're just phenomenal. Little did I know that Carolyn Keene was a pen name for, like, just, uh, like, basically people ghost wrote Nancy Drew books. And it was published under the pseudonym of Carolyn Keene. So Carolyn Keene never existed. Like, there was no Carolyn Keene. Yeah. And there were more uh, people writing these books. Yep, like, they're still going, as far as I know. Like, there are so many Nancy Drew books out. And they're just by a variety of authors, all published under Carolyn Keene. So, like, this broke six-year-old Amanda's heart because Carolyn Keene never wrote back to me. Aww. Um, so that was, that was pretty shit. But there's been, like, Nancy Drew movies throughout the years. And now, announced at the San Diego Comic-Con, they are bringing out a new series. Nice. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited because it's like a modern day Nancy Drew. They the article here says that she's flawed and she has to grapple with her own demons and loss at the beginning of the series. So like it's bringing a lot of things that people our age or people in this like in our era. It's just modernizing Nancy Drew. I'm so curious how you once it's out how you will judge it. We'll probably have to watch it and make an episode about it as well. So mm -hmm. you can be the professional and the, the, the expert on how Nancy Drew books were and how the new series is now. Yeah, I'm very excited. And I'm also excited that they're bringing representation into it because there's um, Ned Nickerson, who was like this, who was Nancy's boyfriend, basically. Um, and he was the whole 1930s, 1940s, dashingly good-looking, all-American white boy. Um, and Ned Nickerson is going to be played by the, an English actor, a man of color, Tunji Kasim. And her best friend is being played by an Asian uh, actress, uh, though she is, as far as I can see, she's unnamed in this, in this article. So I can't exactly tell you who it is. But yeah, there is representation coming into this show, which I am very excited about the modernization of Nancy Drew. So cool. So here for it. And it... I don't know, they're saying it's going to be a bit like Riverdale, but not in the same universe. So I'm kind of excited. Kind of excited. Got high hopes for it. Isn't that similar to the Sabrina's? Sabrina. Sabrina? Yeah, it's in the same universe. Because, like, Archie and Sabrina were same era as Nancy Drew. but And they were, like, comics in the same universe. But Nancy Drew is not connected to that universe. But it's going to be the same kind of style, and I'm definitely excited for it. Curious. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. 
But what I'm mostly curious about, that's probably something that really, really excites me. And I found that article on a friend's Facebook feed. Thanks, Sunny, for posting it. Thanks, Sunny. That's the news that The Matrix 4 is... And it will even not only feature Keanu Reeves, but it's also created by the director who made it previously, Lana Wachowski. I don't know if I pronounced that one right. I think so. And on top of that, Carrie Ann Moss is back as Trinity. Which I'm wondering how that works. I haven't seen them. What? <laughs> what? You can break my heart with Nancy Drew. I'll just, I'll, I'll own the fact that I've seen The Matrix 1 and I've se- I went to the film on a date to see the second one and I fell asleep. And I haven't seen the third one. What the fuck? That's worse than not knowing what Nancy Drew is because Nancy Drew was a an North American, I would say, phenomenon, I guess. That's nothing that I knew over here. I probably have to Google that if I'm right. But anyway, The Matrix was a global phenomenon. Jeez. We have to do some serious educating. I'm going to check out Nancy Drew and you going to watch The Matrix 1, 2, and 3 before 4 is out. Yes, ma'am. Jesus. Yeah, really seriously god. dude oh god yeah no god. i'm really curious how that's going to work out because i mean keanu reeves we all love him now i guess i probably mm-hmm. they just jumped that train because he's such he's in everyone's hearts again at the moment so they thought people will probably watch it again yeah it makes sense like it was a successful franchise a successful trilogy and then the animatrix as well and now that keanu is really cool or I should say people are realizing how cool he is. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they bring it back? Yeah, I know. I'm excited. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I have to watch John Wick again to be aware, to, to recall if he's just as movable right now. Hmm. <laughs> but I guess... That's another series I haven't seen. I just watched... It's very, very, very brutal. <laughs> and I mean, I feel him. Someone killed his dog. And then he goes on a oh, rampage. Wow. And that's... I would go on a rampage too. That's legit. That's very yeah. legit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Challenge for me is to watch all the Matrix. I will rewatch it. Let's rewatch it together. Somehow. And do a show just before it comes out or after it comes out. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. at all the Matrix all together. Fuck Geeking yeah. out about the entire fucking Matrix. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. We did that. Um, when about... Yeah, it felt right. We're glad that there is no visual to our podcast. Cool. That was it for this month. Yeah. And before we turn off, we would just like to say a huge thank you to our newest Patreon. And that is Martin Hoffman Larson from Sleepless in Copenhagen podcast and a fellow Dragon Powered Studio uh, person. Person. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Marty. You're the best. We love you. Be to this um, more, but yes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I've known him longer. <laughs> if you would like to join the awesome ranks of our Patreon supporters, you can do so at www.patreon.com forward slash geekcaring. And of course, that's going to be in the show notes as well. It's hilarious how you edit the www in the front. Track me up that's right there. I'm sexy. I know. Sexy and I know it. Anyway. <laughs> cool beans. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com.
brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.